With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old .com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. The spy clause that has tech companies mulling their future in the UK. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. The UK's online safety bill is on Parliament's agenda as members return next week. Supporters promise it would make Britain the safest place in the world to be online, protecting especially kids from harmful content. But while acknowledging its intent, U.S. tech executives say it deals a major blow to privacy. Meredith Whitaker, president of the nonprofit encrypted messaging app Signal, is an outspoken critic. She's concerned by a clause that lets British regulators mandate that citizens install surveillance software. And this would be in the name of detecting harmful expression, harmful content, particularly content related to child abuse. Now, of course, this raises a whole host of civil liberties concerns. You know, we're hoping that by talking to legislators, we can set the record straight and get an amendment added to the bill that would make clear that this is not intended to undermine the fundamental security and safety of the UK's communications infrastructure. What are the options here? Uh, If this bill becomes law with this clause included, do you change the way that you operate? We at Signal are committed to providing a tool for meaningful private communication for everyone across the globe. But if the choice came down to adulterating our core mission, undermining the encryption that enables meaningful privacy, or leaving the UK, we would leave the UK. You know, the long-standing technical consensus, and this goes back, you know, before the 90s, but really flared up in the 90s during the first, you know, the first iteration of what we call the crypto wars, where you had the US government wanting backdoors into encryption algorithms. And the vast majority, I would say, of the technical community showing over and over again that technologically you cannot have it both ways. You cannot have a backdoor that only the good guys can access. Either it's broken for everyone or it works to preserve meaningful privacy. What are the things you're considering as you decide what to do? Well, I think we're keeping our eyes peeled on this bill and we are still hopeful that 
you know, during this third reading, which commences on September 6th when the UK Parliament resumes, that you know, we can have enough clear conversations with lawmakers so that we can get an amendment that just simply makes clear that the provisioning of these mass surveillance systems won't be used to break private communications and to subject all communications of UK citizens to government surveillance. So we're keeping an eye out, um, but we are concerned because we know that tech legislation in particular is frequently copied and pasted. You know, once someone sets a precedent, it often becomes a de facto standard. And in this case in particular, there are authoritarian leaning regimes that are looking to the UK as a liberal democracy who set a fairly alarming precedent on mass surveillance of all citizens' communications. So if we look to places like Uganda, where a law backed by US evangelicals just passed that make being gay punishable by death, we have to recognize the stakes of a law like this, you know, where your people's life and death can be at stake. And we have to recognize that even if this law isn't passed in Uganda, there are people in the UK who have relationships with people in Uganda. Communication doesn't stay within jurisdictions. There are you know, people talking with people in the UK from every part of the world every day using these systems and undermining them at one end of that communication can endanger the people at the other end, even if they're not located in the United Kingdom. What about for signal users here in the United States? If the UK proceeds with this, um, is this going to be felt by users, myself included, of the app here? Well, we will never do anything to undermine our core privacy technologies or undermine the trust people place in us. So folks in the U.S. shouldn't feel this, even as we move into the last chance to really remedy this bill. There is hope that by clarifying these stakes and by making clear that some of the specious claims around creating technological solutions that can both scan everyone's messages and preserve privacy, that we can really, you know, set the facts straight and make it clear that, you know, that is magical thinking. There's no such technology that can square this circle. And, you know, we need to move forward based on longstanding expert consensus. I wonder if we can dwell for a moment on the intent of this bill, because I think most of us can agree that the intent is good. You know, we want to protect people, especially kids online. Do you see any different path um, to that end that you would consider advocating for? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, protecting children is paramount. And brings us face to face with a lot of difficult and grim social issues that are often difficult to confront. So, you know, it's understandable why abstracting these into problems that happen online and then proposing technological solutions is a bit more comfortable than, you know, facing a world where it's very rare for victims to see justice, where in the UK, you know, social services have been cut by 50% over the last decade, where, you know, early intervention support for children who are um, you know, experiencing or potentially experiencing abuse has been you know, funded at about 7% of the suggested uh, funding, funding amount. So um, you know, there's a lot to do to protect children. And you know, there certainly are harms that children encounter online, but there is no evidence that mass surveillance of private interpersonal communication is a pathway to protecting children. So I think there is, you know, in 
in such an emotionally charged topic, um, given the very legitimate um, grievances that many people have against large tech companies, particularly social media platforms, this has become a a, a kind of um, environment where it you know it has been easy to again, sneak in clauses like this that actually have very little to do with protecting children and a lot more to do, in my view, with expanding the surveillance state state under, you know, the umbrella of protecting children in an environment where holding big tech accountable is so necessary. But, you know, if we look at this closely, what I believe we're seeing is a bait and switch. People, including myself, would love to see these companies held accountable particularly around their mass surveillance regimes and the unchecked data collection uh, and use that they have um, you know, perpetrated for the last number of decades. But again, what we're seeing is, is not holding them accountable. It's in fact the opposite. It's expanding these surveillance capacities, expanding you know, big tech-style surveillance in a pretty dramatic way again, under the umbrella of holding these companies accountable. So we, we need to disentangle this and we need to continue to demand accountability, but we can't accept this bait and switch, which in fact just expands exactly the powers that we should be resisting. I mean, you find yourself as the president of Signal on the same side in this debate as Meta, uh, which owns WhatsApp, uh, among many other properties. Um, is there any daylight between you and that particular company on this issue? Well, I mean, let's be clear. You know, the Venn diagram is two circles with a small sliver of overlap, right? Like, I am not a fan of Meta. However, WhatsApp does use the Signal protocol to encrypt the contents of most messages. And that is an incredibly powerful way that, you know, meaningful privacy in the age of digital mass surveillance became available to billions of people. But, you know, there's a lot of daylight between me and Meta in terms of my critique of their business model, my critique of their mass surveillance, my critique of their callousness in the face of many harms, et cetera, et cetera. That was Meredith Whitaker, president of Signal. There is just so much in this giant 250-plus page piece of legislation. The online safety bill has been in the works for four years across the tenures of as many prime ministers. And The Verge has a very helpful explainer on the bill. We've posted it on our website, marketplacetech.org. We've also shared the perspective of a major children's charity in the UK. Britain's National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children says 34,000 online grooming crimes have been recorded by police there since 2017. They are vocal proponents of the bill. Jesus Alvarado produced this episode. Rosie Hughes and Daniel Shin also produce our show. Our engineers are Gary O'Keefe and Becca Weinman. Daisy Palacios is the senior producer. Kelly Silvera is our executive producer. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. 
This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.